The following talk was given at Mile High Church in Lakewood, Colorado. Please visit our website at milehighchurch.org. We are truly blessed, and I'm so thrilled to be here with my wonderful colleagues, Dr. Patty Luckenbach and Reverend Simon Shadowlite. Reverend Simon has a great message for us tonight. He's going to continue his, his wonderful series on forgiveness. And I think all of us have experienced times in our lives when we need to learn how to forgive. So this is a talk for everybody. So we're glad that you are here with us this evening to enjoy this wonderful wisdom. We're going to have what we are calling our living room conversations, where the three of us just to get to talk about uh, a subject, ideally a subject that's important to you in your life right now or that is important to lift up Reverend Simon's message. And so uh, we were contemplating and talking about this concept of surrendering to the divine or surrendering to God. If you're part of a tradition where God lives out there and is a guy in the sky and is somebody who's looking out for you and making sure you make all the right moves, it's pretty obvious when I, when I say I surrender to God what I'm surrendering to. But in our teaching, that's not often so clear to us. And yet at, the, at times... We don't know what else to do except surrender into the divine. And so we wanted to make an attempt this evening to articulate what do we mean when we say that here in Science of Mind. And so I think we should start ladies first and the wisest one on the stage first. So I think, Dr. Patty, you get to be the first one to address this issue. How, what do you mean and how do you see this surrender to the divine in your, in your mind and heart? Well, in my mind and within my heart, um, it's like I recognize that in our tradition, the mind refers to our wholeness. So many times if there's fear or upset, I'll be in my little mind, and I need to step downstairs into my place of heart and see it as a sanctuary. And I'm not trying to be metaphysical and try to, you know, have all these cute little uh, images. But when you are in a situation, when I have been in a situation that's been disturbing, um, conditions that have been heaping up, um, to be able to move into that inner space is another word to refer to heart and recognize that everything that I am is of spirit, and I say that with great humility. Um, many times being in a situation where you are surrendering, a lot of times people think that suffering to surrender, but to surrender into a place of grace where my little mind doesn't have any control whatsoever, but I've just given myself to the inner, and my breath helps me get there. Mm, beautiful, mm-hmm. beautiful, thank you very much. That's really comforting, my breath helps so what about you, Reverend Simon? How do you see this interesting issue? I don't have a clue. Okay, good. Let's move on then, <laughs> um, shall we? No. <laughs> yeah, there you go. There it is. No, you know, I think the biggest thing is our language messes us up. Our language is inadequate. Um, you know, take, take uh, Dr. Holmes' one of his famous uh, statements about um, there's a power for good in the universe greater than we are and we can use it. Well, if you don't know anything about science of mind and spirit, and you just hear that statement, that is completely dualistic, right? There's complete separation. There's a power for in the universe greater than we are, and then there's us. Our language just 
fails us. It's just not up to the task. We know, as, as, we, as we delve deeper into these teachings, that all there is, is God. So whatever the language is, if I fall back into the language of relationship, you know, God loves me, there's me and God, I release to God, I surrender to God, it's just semantics. Mm. Ultimately, it's just language. If all there is, is God, all there is, is God. Mm -hmm. I can't be separate, no matter what language I use. Mm -hmm. Doesn't change it. That's beautiful. And so when what you're both talking about, that heart space, and since all there is is God, how I see that is that there's nothing to surrender into but the divine, right? And um, I think you're right. The languaging is so challenging when we come from a world that constantly points us towards separation and what we would call dualism instead of the one. And I also feel like the feeling that I'm going for when I need to surrender, when I'm up against something and I don't know what to do, the feeling I'm going for is God's got this. And if I say God's got this, what I'm really saying is the all that is that includes me has got this. And that I'm surrendering to a place that I think we're seeking to live from, which is that no matter what is occurring in my life, the power and presence and principle that lives within me is bigger than any problem, than any challenge that I'm facing. And even though my human mind doesn't know how to solve it between my heart and my getting over those old ideas, I'm surrendering and knowing that the divine in me is propelling me forward in right action. We call that right action, but I would also call that synchronicity uh, to make the decisions and to make, take the steps that will most serve me in this situation. And that's the surrender. It's not, hey, somebody out there, please do this for me. It's something in here, please guide me and propel me forward on my path, the path that serves me most. Does that seem powerful? Yeah. Yes, that's really powerful. And a couple years ago, the uh, Bible scripture, Be Still and Know That I Am God, I have read that 101 times, 102 times. And uh, one night I was reciting that to myself, and it was like a light went on. And it's like, oh, I get it. Be still. Be in that place of grace, that place of surrender, a synchronicity takes us there and be still and know that I am that essence. And it was like, you know, my ego mind would go, well, isn't that kind of a big thought to have? But my heart said, yeah, it's a big thought and it's perfect. Mm -hmm. Be still, still ourselves to know that everything we are is of that. Right. Beautiful. Beautiful. Yeah. yeah. You know, it, it, um, it makes me think of like this. So this glass gives me the illusion, would tell me that the air inside the glass is separate from the air outside. But really, ultimately, that's not the truth. It's all the same air. Extrapolate that to, well, gee, the life in me is, is different from the life in you. We're, we're, we're separate beings, right? No. The life in me is the life in you. But this world of physical appearance, we have the illusion of separation and we, we just don't see that. In my talk, ideally, I'll touch a little bit on that and why that is. But uh, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a 
conundrum. It's a paradox. It is. And I have a feeling you're also going to enlighten us as to how a huge part of forgiveness is about surrendering to the divine. So I'm looking forward to hearing more about that as well as uh, what you just stated coming forth in your message. I'm sure it's going to be brilliant. God willing. God willing. Well, good evening. It is an honor and pleasure to be with you. This is a concluding talk of a two-part series on forgiveness. I want to give you a little uh, recap on what we talked about last week. This idea that something happens to us. Somebody wrongs us, harms us, and, and there is a sense of wounding, right? And we talked about how it is important to simply be present with that. In essence, I invited you into, or gave you permission to whatever arises, to be present with your humanness. If that's anger, if that's hurt, if that's grief, that's okay. That does not make you a bad religious scientist. You are not affirming into the law that you want more of that. You are simply being present with your humanness. Neither denying and resisting, nor clinging and identifying and becoming attached to the, to the circumstance, to whatever it was that was the wounding. But that that being present, being very present with the entire experience, allows it to arise and to begin to fall away. That that is an important part in the process of the healing. Now I want to introduce uh, another term, another way of thinking about this. The idea that there is a debt. So something happens, someone does something to us, or maybe it's we, maybe, maybe, maybe I failed myself in some way, I betrayed myself, I didn't live up to my expectations, whatever. But there is this sense of debt. And often we get into this place of where I will carry this until this debt is paid. And it almost makes a contract between the two of us. And how is that debt paid? Well, it, it can happen in a variety of ways, right? I need you to apologize to me, and then I'll consider the debt paid. Or I need you to be truly sorry, to be regretful, then the debt will be paid. Or I need you to be so sorry, so filled with guilt, so filled with regret that it will actually change you. Your behavior will change and you will never do this again. Or maybe there is some type, some type of uh, uh, compensation that has to occur. You crashed into my car, I expect you to pay for it. You, you stole something from me, I expect you to return it. But in some way, it has to be righted. Or sometimes... Sometimes, I just want you to suffer. You made me suffer. I want you to suffer. There's a great song, a very popular song going around. I don't remember who it's by. Gabby something. It's called I Hope. And it's this song about, uh, you know, this, this woman, this girl who was cheated on by her, you know, the guy. And he went off and he found somebody else. And she's like, you know, I hope this girl is everything you've dreamed of. I hope you change all your life's plans for her. I hope you spend your last ring to put a rock on your hand. I hope you tell all your friends. I hope you're so happy. And then I hope she cheats like you did on me. I hope that what goes around comes all the way around. 
And it's so easy to get stuck into that. That something has to happen in order for this debt to be paid, in order for the healing to occur, in order for there to be forgiveness. I do want to say, I don't discount the unwinding, the playing out in the physical world. Sometimes there is a great value in in taking action in the physical world. Boundaries may need to be set. Relationships may need to be ended. There may be a judicial court process to go through. All of those things may be very true. But at some point, at some point in the healing process, I want to invite you to consider that we need to turn from conditions. What does it mean to turn from conditions? We turn from the world of experience. We turn from the wrong. We turn from what happened. Dr. Holmes talks about in, in, in treatment, in spiritual mind treatment, which is a big part of religious science. If you've been involved with religious science, you've, you've certainly heard that term. You've probably practiced affirmative prayer. This is what Dr. Holmes has to say. In treatment, we turn entirely away from the condition because as long as we look at it, we cannot overcome it. By thinking upon a condition, we tend to animate it with the life of our thought and thereby it is perpetuated and magnified. We already live in a perfect universe, but it needs to be seen and I would add, accepted mentally before it can become a part of our experience. Every problem is primarily mental, and the answer to all problems will be found in spiritual realization. So at some point in the healing process, I have to ask you to consider, is there really anything to be forgiven? Is there really anything to be forgiven? Now I hear what some of you, I I bet I know what some of you might be thinking right away. Simon, are you nuts? Of course, people do atrocious things. There's terrible things that happen. The Holocaust, uh, Rwanda, 9-11. Gosh, I've experienced terrible things in my life. Terrible things. How can you say maybe there's nothing to be forgiven? Breathe. Last week, we talked about that. We talked about all the stuff that may need to occur in the world of form and experience. And I'm not discounting any of that. That is an important part of the healing process, the growth process, the evolution and realization process. And this week, I'm inviting you to consider that when we truly turn from conditions, maybe there is nothing to be forgiven. Now, just so you know that this is not me just woo, making this up, Dr. Ernest Holmes says, there's nothing to be healed, only truth revealed. Could we tweak that just a bit and say, There is nothing to be forgiven, 
only truth revealed. Admittedly, it doesn't rhyme as well. It's not as catchy. But I want to release that like a seed and see where it lands in your heart. Maybe this is not the time for you to hear or consider it. If you look at the five stages of death and dying, if you are in a place of anger or a place of denial, then this is not the time to talk about acceptance. But there is a time. With these crazy, nutty, bizarre times we are in, I want to plant this seed hoping that it falls upon receptive soil within your being that at the appropriate time, if we truly turn from conditions, there is nothing to be forgiven. It is like walking across a desert, leaving footprints in the sand, and at some point we turn back and the wind has swept them away. It's a difficult concept, probably not something we can adequately address at a Wednesday night service. But again, it's an idea I want to throw out to you. Consider this. Dr. Holmes said, the entire purpose of science of mind is to reconcile the seeming difference between the material world, which appears imperfect, and the spiritual world, which must be perfect. That is the entire purpose, according to our founder, the entire purpose of the science of mind is to reconcile the seeming difference. So when we are in condition, in the realm of condition, in the world of experience, in the world of form, which is where we all live, and we are experiencing the suffering and the wounding, that is the call. That is the challenge. To realize that in truth, wholeness is already present. Perfection is already present. And there is nothing to be forgiven. I want to tell you an abbreviated version of a story. It's The Littlest Soul and the Sun. It is an awesome story that was released as a children's book uh, by Neil Donald Walsh. It's, it's drawn from his, his larger work, Conversations with God. Uh, if you haven't picked up this book, if you haven't heard of this book, I recommend it. It is, in my experience, for me, it is the best it provides one of the best perspectives on this idea of, of when we have been hurt, of, when, of why bad things happen. Let me abbreviate it a bit. One day, the littlest soul is having a conversation with God. And they're talking about how the littlest soul realizes that he is the light. And that's awesome to know that. That's great to know that. But the thing is, he wants to experience being the light. He doesn't want to just know he's light. He wants to experience being the light. And God says, that's great. But the problem is, all I made is the light. That's all there is. And it's really difficult to know yourself as the light when you are in the midst of the light. And the littlest soul is like, oh, darn it. Couldn't you do something about that? And God says, what do you know? I have. I created this, this realm, this universe of seeming opposites. 
where you, as the light, can contrast and compare yourself with the seeming darkness. And that way, truly have the experience of being the light. And the little soul says, that's awesome. And God says, but there's, there's, there's countless ways of being the light. Countless qualities of being the light. Why, there's, there's beauty and there's strength and prosperity and creativity and patience and compassion. What way would you like to experience yourself being the light? And the little soul thinks about it for a while. And then he says, I got it, I know. I want to experience that part of the light that is forgiveness. And God says, that's awesome. One problem, nothing to forgive. The little soul is like, oh, darn it. I really wanted to experience myself as that part of the light that is forgiveness. And just then, another soul, the friendly soul, steps up. And she says, hey, I can help you. The next time you incarnate into the realm of experience, I'll go along with you. And at some point in your life, I will do something to you so terrible that you will have the opportunity to experience yourself as that part of the light that is forgiveness. And the little soul says, that's awesome, but why would you do that? And the friendly soul says, because I love you. We have done this for ages and ages. We have gone back and forth. We have been the high and low of it, the male and female of it, the good and the bad of it, the up and the down of it, the in and the out of it. We have played all these roles for each other. I'm happy to do it. So that's awesome. So they're going and they're getting ready. And then at one point, the friendly soul gets a serious, sort of a serious look and she says, but I need a favor from you. And the little soul says, well, 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 yeah, sure, you bet. Tell me, what, anything. And she says, okay, in order to do this not so nice thing to you, I'm going to have to step my vibration down really, really low. I'm going to have to step it down so low that I will forget who I am. So when I do this terrible thing to you, so when I do this worst thing that I could do to you, you have to remember who I am for me. Because if you don't, I am liable to be lost for what could be a long time. And you may get lost as well and forget who you are. And of course, the little soul is like, oh, I'll remember you, of course. No worries, no problem. And off they go to have their experience. So my question that I ask us all to consider is what if when the time is right we consider that there really is nothing to forgive. Rather, we are in the process of remembering who we truly are, and who we are with each other. I want to do a, a real quick forgiveness process because it's, it's one thing to say these things, to, to talk about these concepts, but we need to engage a little bit deeper with them. And this idea that there's nothing to forgive, it's a stretch. I get that. So I want to do a forgiveness process that can 
if done maybe enough times, done whatever, whatever conditions you need, it can lead us, it can begin to lead us from that place of turning from conditions and remembering who we truly are. So I simply ask you in this moment to take a deep breath. Bring your awareness to your heart center. Maybe focus on the breath. Maybe focus on the heartbeat. And simply in whatever way is appropriate for you, just set an intention of of willingness. Of being present with whatever arises with you, within you. Maybe certain thoughts, maybe images of certain people, certain situations. There's three parts to this process. There is an asking of forgiveness from those we may have harmed or hurt. There is a forgiving of those who may have harmed or hurt us. And then there is a forgiving of the self. So I would invite you, if it is comfortable for you, to repeat the following. If I have hurt or harmed anyone, knowingly or unknowingly, intentionally or unintentionally, I ask their forgiveness. See me. Know me. Remember who I truly am. And give yourself a moment. Maybe images, maybe situations arise. And I would invite you to simply affirm, see me, know me, remember who I truly am. Now moving on, I would invite you to repeat the following. If anyone has hurt or harmed me, knowingly or unknowingly, intentionally or unintentionally, I forgive them. I see you. I know you. I remember who you truly are. And allow whatever images or thoughts to arise. Simply repeating, I see you. I know you. I remember who you truly are.
And then I would invite you, in whatever way is appropriate, to bring yourself into your awareness. And if it is comfortable for you, repeat the following. For all of the ways I have hurt and harmed myself, knowingly or unknowingly, intentionally or unintentionally, I offer forgiveness. I see me. I know me. I remember who I truly am. Allow whatever situations or feelings arise, simply being present and perhaps repeating, I see me. I know me. I remember who I truly am. Bring the awareness back to the heart space, knowing that you can engage in this process at any time as long as it takes. God, the beloved, the divine, is infinitely patient. And so I'd like to close with this final thought. Have your experience. Do what you need to do in the world of form. Be present. Be honest. Be authentic. And remember, remember who and what you are, that you are an eternal expression of the one, that you have never been hurt, you can never be hurt. Likewise, you can never hurt another, and ultimately, you have never hurt another. Consider this. Perhaps I am simply a friendly soul who has come here once again to remind you of who you truly are. And so it is. In this holy moment, with the beauty of the song, the empowerment of the message, as we conclude our service here tonight, we step forward inviting each one of you, all of you, right where you are, to join in this prayer. For I recognize that holy, holy presence, that essence that we have spoken about, that inner place of heart, that place of pure light that has always been the light. Oh, I give thanks for this. And I call upon that light, for I know it is above, below, and all around about. And right where you are, that's the Holy Presence. So sense your breath. For I believe that the breath is light itself that is breathing us. And so we just pause and with such gratitude give thanks for that opening of heart. 
and what lives within the sanctuary of your heart, my heart, the heart of this amazing community, is that harmonic love that is manifested everywhere. And so we set aside the conditions and the effects and just fill ourselves with that harmonic love here this evening. So right where you are, whether you're standing or sitting, please know that you can speak your name out loud or perhaps it's a loved one. When we recognize that divine abundance, that unity, that the source is infinite, the supply is eternal. And that is your truth and my truth. And I can feel you standing in that truth right now. As we sense that harmony in relationships, the beauty of forgiveness perhaps is sweeping the hearth of the heart tonight of everything but beauty and allowing that beauty to be ever so present in the relationship with self, with that God life and allowing that light to shine with others. And I give thanks for the peace and perhaps we can pronounce that peace for ourselves, for our loved ones, for our world this night as the sun has set and the stars are coming forth from the heavens, that the twinkling of those stars, shining that starlight on every being to recognize that inner peace has always been, always been. Oh, so I give thanks for this evening. I give thanks for this opportunity to just tune with the infinite. And my heart is filled with gratitude. And every word spoken, and every word that you have declared has been released to that infinite law, that love, that intelligence, that God heart that knows and receives and acts upon. So with this, I rejoice and I say, Amen, Amen, Amen. Thank you for listening to the Mile High Church Podcast. This podcast is made possible by the generous contributions from listeners like you. If you'd like to make a donation, please visit us at milehighchurch.org. Have a fabulous day.